Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center. This is episode 36, Teacher on Board. I'm Dan Hewitt, and I will be your host today. If you're new to the show, we bring in NASA experts, the scientists, the engineers, and the astronauts, all to tell you everything NASA. So today, we're talking with Ricky Arnold. He's a U.S. astronaut, and he's about to launch to the International Space Station in March for his second spaceflight and his first ride up in a Russian Soyuz. We talked about his education, how he started out as an accountant and then went to marine sciences, went on to a teacher, and eventually became an astronaut. He flew on the shuttle, and now he's about to fly on the International Space Station. So with no further delay, let's go light speed and jump right ahead to our talk with Ricky Arnold. Enjoy. T minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Launch commit light circuit. Correct. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. So Ricky Arnold, teacher, astronaut, world traveler, and now most importantly, Houston, we have a podcast guest. Ricky, thanks so much for joining me this morning. How you doing? How's how's training going? You, you know, getting ready to go to space? Oh yeah, thanks for having me. It's great, great to be here. Um, I'm getting close. Uh, I only this is my I'm finishing up my U.S. training this week. Um, I got a couple couple of weeks off to kind of uh, take care of things here uh, around the office and mm. at home. I head over to Russia in early February, uh, and we do all of our final training for the Soyuz, for our launch vehicle to get us to the space station and back, uh, take our final exams, and uh, then head off to Baikonur and launch in March. Big test day coming yeah, up. Yeah, we, we have our finals coming up, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, you're never you're never through with final exams. <laughs> yeah, no matter what, no matter what, what you, you think, do. kids. Exactly, the tests will always come back around. And right. I notice, you, so you're already doing some stuff for science right now. They they already have you given samples and all kinds oh, of things. Yeah. So I mean, this this isn't just a six month stint you guys sign up for, is it? No, no. In addition to the training, you are you are a test subject. Um, so one of the big things we're trying to learn on the on the International Space Station is, you know, how to how how does a human body change in, in outer space. And if those are if those changes are, are for the for the worse, what are some countermeasures we can use to help protect astronauts? So when we go off into off into deep space for long, really long stays, um, how can we protect people who are going to go execute those missions? So I've started as a as a as a test subject last year, mm. and uh, and I've been providing stuff to our doctors in the clinic and. Um, we'll, we'll continue to do that on the International Space Station, send it home, and then when uh, when I land, uh, it, the, the journey continues in, in terms of uh, being a test subject. I was telling you, I even, I'll come, I can come back to NASA for the rest of my life hmm. once a year for a physical, um, just so the doctors can keep tabs on what what has happened after after spending time in outer space? That's a long project. It's a long That's project. A long project. All right. Well, I want to kind of dive into how Ricky Arnold became an astronaut because you you have a pretty unique journey for somebody in the astronaut corps. And there's yeah. one thing I wanted to jump on right off the bat because it is atypical. <laughs> I'm I was I was a business major right. in school, and I see you had a bachelor's degree in accounting. That is true. How did that come to pass, and how the heck did they let a business major into the astronaut corps? <laughs> um, I went off to college when I was 17 years old. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, 
the uh, I was out of town uh, the week you went up and got all the freshman counseling and orientation. So I literally arrived on campus with classes starting in three days hmm. and with, with no classes, no, signed up for no classes. I found out where I was living and I was uh, met with a counselor and um, he, uh, he said, well, w- w- what are you good at? And meanwhile, he's looking at the roster of classes to see what's even available because most of the stuff's mm. already been filled up. And then he said, are you good at numbers? I, I guess I'm good at numbers. He said, okay, good. Accounting 101's opened up. I'm like, eh, okay. And um, and uh, so I ended up taking an accounting class, and I've always been okay with numbers and mm-hmm. still wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do, so I took accounting too. Uh, ended up my sophomore year taking the, the hardest part of accounting, which is the intermediate accounting, uh, which is kind of where people decide to drop out of accounting because it's very, very very complicated yes very complicated classes and uh i got through that and uh at that point i had um signed up and taken a geology class as an elective and um it was a a geology class and really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and um and i had an interest in science from when i was was much younger and um so then i started i took uh, biology 101 uh, and these were just as my electives while I was still getting my accounting degree. Yeah. And uh, and I took a, a biology, you know, the second pile, biology two. Uh, ended up taking. I ended up with a biology minor to go along with my my bachelor's degree in uh, in uh, in accounting. I bet you were a rare breed. <laughs> I was. People when the roster when I would show up for these advanced level biology classes, the teachers they always had the majors listed there, and they said, you know, hey Arnold, are you in the right class? <laughs> Said, yeah, yeah, I'm just taking this for fun. I'm taking this, you know, morphology of the thallophytes just for fun. Oh, it sounds like a blast. And uh, and and much like like many students who went off to school, uh, you know, I did not have unlimited resources for college, so I needed to graduate with a degree. But Mm -hmm. by by my my sophomore year, I already knew. By the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year, I already knew I really wasn't going to make it as an accountant. Um, I had other things I wanted to do. But I went ahead and got my degree and then continued... um, taking electives in community college while working uh, to get into graduate school uh, in at the University of Maryland in marine sciences. And so that's where you, so you graduated with the BS in accounting right. and then you just pivoted completely because you, it sounds like you found something. I did. That you were interested right. in. Right. But I just couldn't stay at college forever. So I yeah. went to work. I went to community colleges, took chemistry, physics, uh, uh, calculus, all the things uh, I needed to do to get into graduate school um, to pr- pursue an advanced degree, advanced degree in in the sciences. And so that's so. Where where did you go to grad school? What was that degree? Uh, I went to the University of Maryland, and uh, they have a marine and estuarine environmental science program um, because we are right. Uh, you know, I grew up right by the Chesapeake Bay, mm-hmm. and um, I grew up in Delaware. So oh, was, so yeah, you know area. exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah. You, you can't limit yourself to oceanography in Maryland because there's too many different types of bodies of water. So they cover all their bases, marine and estuarine. <laughs> and, um, uh, and it was a research-based uh, program. Uh, they had I worked over at the uh, Horn Point Environmental Lab on my uh, my project and uh, and actually did some, you know, I ended up doing some sediment uh, sediment geochemistry of, uh, of some the Severn River right near Annapolis. Mm-hmm. So we're a sub-tributary of the Severn River. So... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a typical journey. Well, so you got yeah, the biology and then how'd you end up teaching? And then well, yeah, and then so did you 
was teaching ever kind of in your mind at that point when you're going through school? Because again, we're, we're we're hopping around. We no, I know. No, I, I, think, I think it's okay. And it, it's not like a lot of people I work with who knew they wanted to fly, you know, fly airplanes and go to space when they were yeah. three years old. I, that just wasn't me. Um, uh, when I got out of school, uh, I I had a temporary job while I um, in down in D.C. and uh, and this was the time where Krista McAuliffe was. Uh, you know, announced as being one of the members of the, the Challenger mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I remember thinking distinctly, I was like, wow, you know, that's that's pretty impressive that NASA, you know, recognizes the, you know, the kind of people we have working on our nation's public schools. Oh, yeah. And, um, but it really wasn't, um, that that was, that pro- certainly probably played a role in, in formulating an opinion about being a, being an educator. Um, but uh, one of the jobs I was working while I was taking classes at community college, I got a job at the United States Naval Academy working in the oceanography department. Mm. And I was just taking care of their scientific equipment. Uh, I would, was doing the maintenance for their equipment. I was going out on the, the yard patrol vessels where we were doing projects. And I was deploying the equipment for, for professors and students. And I also got to work with some of the, the midshipmen there. And, uh, and that's really um, what set the bit. Okay, you know what? I, I think this is something I really want to do. So uh, I, my plan at that point, I, finally the light bulb went off a um, couple of years after getting out of college. I'll be a teacher. I'll be, I'm going to be a teacher, um, and I have all my uh, prerequisites to get into graduate school. So I'm going to go get my teaching certificate, uh, do my student teaching, and then almost as soon as I started student teaching, uh, I started teaching, I took a job in Charles County, Maryland, um, and uh, the. My second uh, semester teaching there, the second half of the year, I started taking classes uh, at the University of Maryland in their graduate program and mm-hmm. then enrolled the following fall. So it was busy. I was a first-year teacher, um, starting my second year teaching, uh, going to graduate school at night um, in the sciences, and it was uh, it was pretty busy. But I knew what I wanted to do at that point, so uh, I was doing a job I loved, and I was getting my evenings were spent in science, so mm-hmm. in my weekends. So... It was all good. Where'd you start off teaching? I started off teaching middle school science. Okay. Yeah. And so what what grades? Because seventh grade to start off with, and I think I had two eighth grade classes as well. But you you went on to teach high school, right? I did. Did you have a favorite grade to teach? Well, I I yes, I liked teaching uh, high school um, some of the advanced college preparatory classes just for the. The material and the learning, mm-hmm. uh, but my favorite class to teach, which is, I mean, my background's really in biology. Yeah, uh, I taught uh, an eighth grade physical science class, uh, which was a combination of you know introductory physics and chemistry, and I just really enjoyed that a lot because the there's so many foundational principles there. If you can teach a kid to read a periodic table, not memorize it, which is what I was taught to do, but to actually read it and actually say that there's the material. Yeah, the material yeah. that all you need to know about. Chemistry's right here, and and how atoms work together. Um, so I just found it was just the right amount of material to kind of spark a kid's interest in that field, and um, and and set them on a trajectory where if they showed up in a chemistry class in high school or in college, that they would have the tools to to be successful. So I mean, I I could trace back to a teacher very vividly who kind of set me on my path. 
do you kind of wonder if you were able to because i mean now you're an astronaut and it's a very visible job but like you said it was it was pretty incredible for nasa to recognize the people who are doing this stuff in public school right did, did you ever think about that you know you're setting these kids hopefully up for you know a life in the sciences or math or anything like that I hope so. I mean, you know, there are kids, you know, when you, there are kids when they walk into your classroom, you know, they're going to be doing remarkable things. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and, and if I played, I, you know, I, it's possible I played a small part in it, it, but it's unlikely. There, there are kids who come, uh, who just, you know, they're going to go off and do amazing things, but that's only a handful, mm -hmm. right? Everyone else I think is more like, like I was, and I wasn't really all, all that certain. So, just trying to find your way still. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just to present options and, and let them know there are exciting uh, career choices out there. Um, I still keep in touch with a few former students, and like I said, they've gone on. Some have gone to do amazing things, and um, but you know, I, I don't know that. Maybe I play a small small part, but mm -hmm. you know, there's a reason you go to school for 12 years before going to college. It's you get different teachers, different experiences, different backgrounds, yep. and um, and I I think that all shapes the whole. Yeah. All right, so you're busting in Maryland, you're going to school, you're teaching. How the heck did you end up in Morocco? How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I loved to read uh, when I was a—I still love to read. And uh, um, I'm kind of a victim of my love of reading because I like reading about different places and different cultures and different, you know, different things, different ideas. And uh, I had been teaching for four years in, uh, in Maryland— uh, I just finished graduate school and graduated, and I picked up a Washington Post on a Sunday morning, and there was a, an advertisement in the classified section, which I hardly ever looked at, but this Sunday I happened to, mm -hmm. and it uh, it said, hey, are you the headline was, are you interested in teaching overseas? It's like, hey, I'm interested in going overseas. I hadn't really considered <laughs> teaching there as a means to get there. Um, so I called the number and went to this presentation. It so happens the gentleman who was who was putting this thing on had been a uh, headmaster at a school in Tangier, Morocco. So he started off telling the story about you know the, living in exotic Morocco, uh, his experience, and I was like, oh wow, this is something that be mm -hmm. really, sign me up. Really sign me up. How do I do that? Well, it doesn't quite unfold like that. Uh, you know, you you go you go to these interview fairs. You uh, we actually went into a big room and they had the jobs posted on the walls from different locations all around the world. So you could be going to, you know, there's, there's the International School of Tanzania. We have these openings. There's the International School of, you, you name it. And um, I ended up getting hired as a, you know, a biology, high school biology and middle school teacher and a science teacher in Casablanca, Morocco. Wow. And uh, so a year later, after going to that thing, I was stepping off a plane in Casablanca and making my way to my new apartment in, in North Africa. I mean, that had to be... Had you ever traveled outside the country before that? No, my wife and I were both teachers, so yeah. uh, and we were newly married, too, when we moved there. Um, uh, no, I'd been, I'd been to... Uh, Did you at least leave Maryland? I'd left Maryland. I'd been to, I'd been to Ecuador uh, because uh, um, a, a gentleman who worked in Charles County would put together these teacher... Uh, these trips in the summer, mm -hmm. um, uh, like professional development programs, and one of them was down to the Galapagos. So I had been down there. Um, I'd I'd been probably to Canada and you know maybe maybe to Mexico, but not not really. Mm. Um, that not was, something just totally outside your element. Not not yeah. I mean, what was it like to make that move? 
I don't know. I just I enjoyed the the community uh, that we got to know. I enjoyed the diversity of ideas with the students that you taught. We had kids from all over the world, mm. um, the different languages, and the opportunity to try to learn some languages. Um, it was challenging, uh, but uh, but I think it was a very um, very rewarding part of my life. But that was just stop number one. Yeah. Where, where else did you teach? Yeah, we lived in uh, Casablanca for three years, um, and my daughter was born when we were living there, um, my oldest daughter. Uh, we then uh, moved to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and uh, my youngest daughter was born there, and uh, we lived there for, for five years. Um, and then I think we had enough. We had the Mediterranean climate. We had the desert, and uh, we ended up going to the jungles of Indonesia, uh, teaching at a small school in uh in in Irian Jai or West Papua, um, Indonesia, so on the mm. island of New Guinea, and um, and then two two years there, and then uh, finally a year in uh, in Bucharest, Romania, and from there I was hired to come to NASA. And so, everything we do now with the space station is international. That's it's right there in the name. Did your experience, you know, kind of being a bit of a globetrotter there for a little while, did that play into? Your role as an astronaut now? Do you do you look back and say, "I'm really glad I did that because now none of this seems so da- like no, so daunting." Um, I you know I'm glad I did it for for myself uh, just because of the opportunity for learning. But I I mean I naively when I came here for my interview, I, I really had no false expectations about getting a job as an astronaut. I mean when I applied, I thought, "Hey, this is going to be a really really awesome." Rec- uh, rejection letter to hang in my office. <laughs> this will be uh, a good story. Yeah, this will be a good story. And then when I got the interview and I came in here, I was like, well, I mean, I really had no expectations, but I thought when we have this one hour, the interview process itself is a week. Most of it's medical. There's all kinds of aptitude tests and those kind of things along with some tours. But you have a one hour interview with, you know, a, a fair number of highly experienced astronauts and some other folks with the agency. And it's like, well, you know, when I get to that interview, surely they're going to ask me about my international experience. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought that might be kind of a good thing to be able to talk about. Yeah. And uh, I had, it turns out, um, in in between when I got out of school and was working those jobs to get into graduate school, I had worked as a, I worked on a sail training vessel for about a half, not quite a half a year. Um uh, we sailed all over the, you know, the Atlantic, um, and I was an assistant scientist on board this this vessel. But it was like, you know, four months, five months. I figured, okay, that's yeah. hardly even worth mentioning on a resume. That was the only thing the interview committee asked me about, <laughs> um, and now it makes sense. I was deploying scientific equipment in an extreme environment, you know, late at night, you know, early in the morning. You know, there was always an element of risk involved with the job. You were living on a small ship with. 30 other people, 30 some other people, and you were part of the crew. Um, so, uh, but I, but I do think getting back to your question, I mean, at least having some experience overseas, uh, kind of prepared me for the travel back and forth to Russia and you know, the amount of time we spend there and in, 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 in Germany and in Japan as mm-hmm. well. Well, so now you're getting ready to fly. This would be your second time. Right. You've been to the space station once, right? but that was short. It it's was. going to be a whole new ball game. Are you sure is? Are you really excited about this? Are you are you excited? Because uh, we always hear from astronauts when they did the short shuttle missions, it was like you're just getting a little taste of it, and you never really feel like you're there. Right. You can't soak it in. Are, are you right. really looking forward to kind of you know stretching your legs and 
hanging out on in microgravity for six months? I well, I am. I mean, I, I'll, six months is a long time, yeah. um, and oh, so yeah. that's going to be a completely different mind shift from a very short duration mission where you just got to go, 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 and then sleep when you get home. Um, you, you just can't do that on for six months. Yeah. Um, however, uh, you know, it was really exciting part of my career to be able to go help finish the construction of the International Space Station. Um, after we left, uh, we were able to go from three to six crew, start doing a lot more of the science. And uh, of course, we're just a small part in the chain, but we provided the power to make all that happen. Um, uh, and that was really exciting. But now I get to go kind of live and work there. You know, the assembly's pretty much done. Uh, we're just going to go up and take advantage of everyone else's hard work and then try to try to do a good job, uh, you know, doing what the space station was intended, why, why it was built. Well, I mean, last time, so you were building it. This time, you're going to be one of those scientists. On right. Is, does that almost have you more excited because of your background of always being interested in that kind it of does. stuff? It does. It's, it's, it's a bit intimidating, too. You know, when, I, when you go to the space station, you're building part of it. You know, we knew after one EVA that our mission was more or less a success, yeah. right? We got we were up there oh, on yeah. the fifth day in space. We got the S6 truss installed. The next day we deployed the solar arrays, another box checked. And then anything after that was kind of gravy, yeah. right? Um, it worked, it was all good. Uh, here, your responsibility, you know, there's a lot of people around the world who've spent their entire career trying to get a payload into space or an experiment into space. And you don't want to be the link that that makes their that kind of crushes their dreams, you know, because you made a mistake and it's going to happen, right? So, uh, but you got to minimize it and and you know just go out and do the best job you can. And as a as a former teacher, can I call you a former teacher? Sure. Or are you still do you still consider yourself? I a kind teacher? of still. Cause that's when yeah, I, we're going to go back I'm to about, teaching. I'm, Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe I've thought about it. I'm right now at the halfway point. I've been an astronaut as long as I've been a teacher. So. Uh. Uh, uh, We'll, uh, so, but I still kind of call myself a teacher. Well, Astro Teacher Arnold. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to just be doing the science. You're going to be bringing the station into classrooms down here on Earth as part of the year of education on station. Right. Tell, I mean, talk a little bit about what your role is going to be. I mean, what you got. You're not, and you're not the only one doing that. No, no, and we, you know, we've we've used the ISS as an education platform in the past, mm -hmm. uh, certainly. Uh, but by sheer coincidence, uh, uh, we ended up with two additional slots on the International Space Station, uh, which means there'll be one more American there for an entire year. Um, and those two Americans both happen to be classroom teachers, Joe Acaba, who's up there now, and, and me, who will launch in, in March. Um, so we have people who have that background um, for a continuous year. And we have more crew time available to pursue education pursuits, so we won't be the only ones doing the uh, do, providing the educational outreach. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly, our crewmates will be part of it, but it's because we're there. It, it tells it's a nice story of hey, we got teachers on space for a year, and we're certainly going to be highly involved in what's going on. But our crewmates, it's going to be a shared effort, and um, I'm really excited about. Uh, continuing to highlight the the uh, International Space Station as a platform for education. Is there any project in particular you're excited about that you guys are going to be doing, you know, either really soon or down the road while you're up there? Well, abso absolutely. Um, the, uh, the thing that I'm most excited about is, um, I think I mentioned earlier about the, the Challenger, Challenger mission. Mm -hmm. um, 
Did I mention that earlier? Yeah, you yeah, did. I think I saw, thought you so. You said you, you were watching it on I was TV watching exactly, yeah, exactly. That kind exactly of planted a little seed. Planted a seed, thank you. And, um, uh, you know, I've kind of always wondered, uh, it was just such an amazing thing that NASA, NASA was trying to offer to the education community. And um, I kind of always wondered what what became of of that what became of those lessons after that sacrifice and there's been amazing things done there's the challenger centers have start you know started up and carrying that mission forward the onazuka foundation i'm going to leave people out but there's been families and Mm -hmm. and and concerned people or who surrounded that mission who went on and did some really good things in education but i always kind of wondered man what happened what happened to the things krista was going to do on orbit and uh, so joe and i and uh we're going to announce it here shortly, but Joe and I are going to have the opportunity to actually conduct some of the lesson plans that Krista was, Krista McAuliffe was going to do while she was on Challenger um, back in 1986. All right, and so which I think is really yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean that's that's incredible, and it does kind of bring a full circle. As you know, NASA, we we've, we started the educator focus back then. We're doing it now, and so I mean, you got to just be excited to get up there and. Yeah, and and hopefully inspire uh, you know a few other teachers out there to to pursue degrees and you know advanced degrees in science, um, you know directly in science, not science education, but as a scientist and uh, and consider you know maybe coming coming to NASA at some point and 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 continue the mission. Uh, Joe and I are the only two left. Uh, Barb Morgan left a few years ago. Dottie Metcalf Lindenberger left shortly after Barb and. Um, and that's just Joe and I are the only two left, so we got to hand off the baton to someone. No pressure. No, no, no pressure <laughs> at all. So aside from aside from all that, anything you're just really excited about getting up there to do? Any any science you've seen going on recently? You really want to do some spacewalks? Anything that's oh well, you know, you know on, on the on the Ricky Arnold bucket list for the space station? Uh, uh, doing another space ball, spacewalk would be would be would be awesome. Um, the science we're doing up there, I, I really excited to be a part of that. Just because we're really working hard to improve life here on Earth. Um, but for, from a purely selfish standpoint, um, I'm just looking forward to having some time to look out the window. Uh, it the the look I'll never forget my first look at Earth from space, and that that image is kind of embedded in my mind, and I think always will be. But on the shuttle, we just didn't have a lot of time for just looking out the window and admiring Earth. You get a real sense for, um, you know, this is all we got right now. Mm. Uh, the planet's beautiful. We're all in it together. And there's a lot of nothing that surrounds us. And uh, so just to appreciate the Earth from, from low Earth orbit and um, and maybe, you know, encourage people to, to take better care of it. That's uh, the only thing yeah. we got right now. All right. Well, I know I got to let you go back and do astronaut stuff. One yeah, final, yeah, one, no. final one final question. Sure. So you've been an astronaut now as long as you've been a teacher. And you said, you know, maybe you'll go back and teach. What would you go teach? Would you go back and do eighth grade science? What What would that's you go a, do? You think? That's a good question. Um, uh, I think I would probably go back to middle school, um, yeah. seventh or eighth grade. I just enjoy working with that age group. They're you know they they're still figuring things out they're still open to ideas they're still uh they're still by and large enthusiastic about learning um i, I just uh, there's something to me that I, I i didn't intentionally become a middle school teacher mm-hmm. um but it was something i really really enjoyed and uh i got i just found it a very rewarding job and uh so 
Well, I consider it. I still got a little bit more time here at NASA and some more things I want to accomplish here. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, being being a teacher from space has got to look good in the resume. You'll be competitive. You'll be competitive <laughs> for the Yeah, job. if I can get a job. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, again, Ricky Arnold, soon to be International Space Station resident on board coming up in March. Thanks for joining me today, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. If you want to follow Ricky while he's on board the International Space Station, head over to Twitter and you can follow him at Astro underscore Ricky. And as always, you can follow us online at nasa.gov ISS for all the latest on the International Space Station and on our various social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, you can use hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit any ideas for a podcast. Just make sure to mention it's for Houston. We have a podcast. This podcast was recorded on January 18th. Thanks to Alex Perryman, John Stoll, Pat Ryan, John Streeter, Greg Wiseman, and Ryan Stewart. And of course, thanks again to Mr. Ricky Arnold for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.